Hello everyone, this is Terry with Futures.io, and as always, I would like to thank you for joining us today. Now, it is my pleasure to welcome back Future Trader 71 for today's webinar, How Do I Know I'm on the Right Track as a Trader? If you have questions, please feel free to type them into the questions box throughout the webinar, and we'll do our best to answer them at the end of the event. If you're watching this on YouTube, please do us a favor and give us a thumbs up if you enjoy the webinar. And as always, please feel free to share, comment, and subscribe to our channel. It really helps us a lot. For trading news, events, and information, follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter using at Futures.io. And without further delay, I will hand it over to FT, and you should pop up to share your screen. Thanks for joining, everyone. Uh, so this topic um, is not as sexy as talking about order flow or an edge or some new software, but uh, it's, it's a question that we all face. Uh, but first off, I want to say that derivative trading is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. As always, I'm sharing my experience as a professional trader uh, with you, and I'm hoping that you gain something, uh, anything, based on what we're talking about today. So the background and purpose of this uh, talk what is my experience with the stages of producing career professional traders? Just for those of you who don't know me, um, my background is uh, as an engineer, and I left that career behind in uh, 2000 or so and uh, became a professional um, professional SOS bandit, uh, SOS trader, high-volume um, uh, NASDAQ uh, trader, equity trader. And uh, after 9-11, uh, there were very few opportunities in the equity market, and I found an opportunity to come to Chicago, which is where I live now, been living for the last, I guess, 17 years, 16 years. And I've uh, started trading futures, and from joining a prop shop to starting one to training traders, I've been through this process more than a couple dozen times with people that I've backed or have had to train. Again, I'm a professional trader first, prop shop owner, uh, and trainer second. Uh, so that's the background and the reason why I believe I'm qualified to talk about this. Now, have you questioned whether or not you should continue to power through the ups and downs of trading? I get a lot of emails, and I do uh, come across many, uh, many of our members at Convergent Trading. Uh, who join up look, seeking guidance, uh, and the, the question is always, man, am I ever going to make this? Because it's really difficult, and it's painful, and it's frustrating, uh, and that's really what I want to focus on today. How do you know that whether or not you're just wasting your time or if you, you're just going through a rough patch, right? So uh, is what you're going through right now, what you're struggling with, is that normal? Or should you just go find something else to do? Now, I'm going to warn you, uh, there are no, like I said, no fancy charts, no nothing fancy to show you today. This is just straight talk. Uh, you can consider it locker room talk or whatever. Um, it's going to sound preachy. Uh, so just be patient. Try to listen through to the end. I, I'm, I'm really sharing some deep experiences with you, and I'm hoping my goal uh, really, every time I get invited on uh, Futures IO uh, and have access to new ears, 
or any ears at all of traders who are uh, pushing to make it as a career trader. Uh, my goal is to impact you in a way that moves you, brings you a st at least a step closer to, to your potential in your trading career. I know how hard this is. I had to go through a learning curve, major learning curves twice. I had to learn how to trade equities uh, at very high speed manually, and then I had to learn to trade futures also at very high speed manually, and then I had to go through minor learning curves as I switched from being a high-volume scalper trading somewhere around 1,600 to 3,000 round turns a day to trading structure using market profile and fibs and then volume profile and trading the way I do now. So what is the typical cycle of a career professional trader? Just to give you some perspective versus what I've learned over the last maybe 10 years of being online and being in contact with online traders, let's compare the career path of a trader in a professional environment to one of an independent individual online trader, which may be you. To the left, it's a big chart. I know a lot of words, not favorable for a presentation, but uh, what I'm saying here is important, I believe. The left is a professional track. The right is an independent, independent individual track based on my experience. A professional track in general, you come into contact with a professional trader, investor, somebody in the business um, who's, who's already in an institution or is working uh, in a prop shop. Uh, the next step is to seek help securing employment in a, in, uh, on a trade desk, uh, maybe at a legitimate prop shop. And by prop shop, I don't mean a place where you have to pay to try out to become a back trader or a place where you pay to be able to trade. That's not prop. Prop, uh, traditional prop is, is purely you get hired on the merits of your uh, character, your capabilities, your history, and then you're fully backed. 100% of the cost of you trading goes to the uh, shop you're trading at, and you're trading at cost mostly, and the uh, profits are shared. That's pure prop, legitimate prop in my opinion. Again, that's just my opinion. Or you go and find a job at in an institutional environment. Both of those are very difficult today. They've been difficult since about 2007, 2008. Um, then you learn very early on to, to not be a gambler, right? When you're trading a, a shop or an institution's money, um, other people's money, OPM, you have to have a plan. There are people who oversee that. There are people who make sure that you have a plan before they give you access to their accounts. That's something that is missed in the independent trader track. You remain motivated because you're in contact in a professional environment. Your biggest motivation early on is going to be the success and the progress of the traders around you. Start to build these bonds. You're basically in a bunker with other traders and you're all fighting the markets day in, day out. Uh, but what's motivating, even though you may be losing a few hundred dollars a day, learning what's motivating is that there are people in the room that you have access to who you, uh, who, who see um, success and who have success and, and you can actually see it on their screen. Uh, it's not something where you have to put uh, your faith in it. It's just, it's there. So that's a big, uh, you know, trading in a group uh, that uh, that is transparent, especially, uh, is a big asset to a trader. You 
soon start to experience pressure. Probably after a month or two, you start to experience pressure to make money because you're consuming space, you're consuming uh, resources. And so there's time becomes a, a crunch versus an online trader who is trading his own money, his or her own money, and is can go on and on and on forever and take their time. Uh, there's no real constraint there, but in a professional track, uh, there's only so much time that you can consume um, in, in terms of uh, taking up space and risk before you can uh, turn the corner. Uh, you continuously learn, you reevaluate, you're honing your skill set in a deliberate way uh, and in a focused approach. So in that sort of environment, you're constantly exposed to learning, right? You're doing um, study halls every week, once a week. You're doing interventions. You're doing uh, huddles, uh, town halls. Uh, you're being uh, shown a new tool. Vendors come in and show you how to use a tool that you're already using a little bit better. There's a huge investment in your uh, continued learning, uh, which I find doesn't happen very often to traders who are independent. You develop a healthy respect for the key principles to successful trading, which are uncertainty is inevitable. So you come you come to terms with the fact that uncertainty cannot be studied away. It cannot be... Um, it cannot be tricked away. Uncertainty is built into every single action you take in the market. You just become completely comfortable with that. You have to become completely comfortable with that. And that takes away the, the fear of trading uh, and, and the anxiety of trading, just understanding that uncertainty is just there. It's kind of like you could – you could pass away at any time. Accidents happen at any time. You cannot. You, you'll do your best to avoid them through a risk plan, but you, it's there. The risk is there. Every time you move, there's risk uh, to, to injury, right, to day-to-day to -day life. Uh, you have to have a statistical edge, and so you understand that a statistical edge is necessary. And that statistical edge, by the way, is not necessarily, you know, if, then, else, in an algorithmic way, and then you back test it, you know, 30 years, and then you walk forward, test it for six months, it's not necessarily that. Statistical edge could be a discretionary approach or plan that uh, that then you uh, run metrics and statistics on and show that it has an, an edge as long as you, you perform it or execute it consistently. That's also a statistical edge. So I don't want to go off jump off a cliff here and have you think, oh, my God, I need to somehow program my edge and, and test it in MATLAB or R or Python or something. Yes, those are nice skills if you have them, but those those can also lead uh, to misleading, uh, to false confidence. Uh, for me, a statistical edge is really could be as simple as making sure that what you're doing is something that you can execute on consistently, even if it's in a simulator with proper penalties. Um, and you show that, yes, if you follow this without letting your, you know, chimp brain interfere with the execution, that there is an edge there. Most people um, don't know if they have an edge, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of people who are disciplined can establish that edge. There are so many ways to trade the market, and there are many, many edges that are still available in the market. I don't think that's a big issue. Seven uh, C risk and sizing is all there is on all there is under your control. You cannot control the outcome. This, these are one. This is one of the key principles of successful trading. Risk and sizing. 
That's it. That's all you control, risk and sizing. So once you put a trade on, all you've controlled is how much you can allow, how, mu how big a bet you're making. In other words, how big your risk is going to be and how much size you're putting on for that particular trade. That's it. That's it. Okay. You don't control whether or not it's a winner. You don't control if it goes to your target right away. You don't control if it hits your stop right away and is disappointing. You don't control that. The market controls that. The outcome, the reaction from the market is outside of your domain of control. And if you try to control that, you're by exiting a trade soon, by getting a gut, bad gut feeling about the trade, whatever it is, what's going to happen is you're interfering with the trade and you're causing an error, and errors will eat your lunch. Uh, errors are, are, are a big problem for inconsistent traders. When trading, all else is irrelevant. That's another key principle. You cannot be taking texts from your you know, significant other, you cannot be handling mom's uh, Instacart shopping, you can't be shopping for Christmas when you're trading, you really need to make everything else irrelevant. You need to be like a surfer paddling their board out to out into the deep to catch the next wave. You cannot be sitting here admiring um, the people on the beach or the skyline or whatever. You need to be focused on the task at hand. Very, very important. Uh, so a lot of times we, I used to say in my prop shop, jokers take a break, right? If you're sitting there joking around and clowning around, you need to step outside into the lounge. Uh, we don't need you in the room, okay? Being accountable to yourself and others is a key uh, part, principle to success. You're going to have to put realistic expectations for yourself and put yourself to account. Are you doing what you said you will do? Uh, if not, then why not? Uh, and if, if that persists, then stop. Results begin to materialize. After a while, results begin to materialize, and, and you, you should see, you are likely to see an acceleration in, uh, in, in your results over time. Uh, it's, I've never seen someone make the turn and become profitable and have a, one of those kind of sweet little linear kind of graphs. It's parabolic, then there's a big pullback, then it's parabolic, then there's a big pullback. Uh, in, in general, it's really, you know, that's, that's the nature of, uh, of people's equity curves. These, these equity curves that, that go at 45 degrees, like you see on these trading systems on, various outlets. Uh, I don't see that with, with people. The markets change and you will adapt uh, continuously with rough patches occurring periodically. Okay. Uh, so there's constant change going on in the market. There are constant, uh, constant impacts on the market that will change. And there are times, depending on the regime that is currently in play and the cycle that we're in, uh, those cycles may be favorable to your trading plan, but you have to be prepared as a trader. So let's say you have a $20,000 month. Okay. You net out $20,000. What you, you'll probably have the urge to do is to take your $20,000, multiply it by 12 and say, you, you, um, you make $240,000 a year, so you can afford to go out and buy that $85,000 Porsche, and you live at that level. That's not how, that's not how a, a smart uh, uh, trader would do it. Uh, you understand that that, that $20,000 a month 
probably half of it's going to fund a poor month, a, a pullback, a rough patch uh, sometime in the near future. And you're really working with averages whenever when it comes to results. You're always working with averages when it comes to trading. And then as a professional trader on a professional track, you continue to follow the same process, and your goal is to increase size to the max possible, keeping in mind risk and account sizing, uh, so that your revenue can then get you to the point where you have it, it sustains your lifestyle. The expected turn on a professional trader, and this is all in the light of am I on the right track, should I continue, uh, the, the expected turn on a on a professional trader is elevated, uh, has an elevated probability under that environment, uh, and we expect a trader to turn within the first or second year, not much longer than that, okay? Most prop contracts are about three years long. Uh, you, you don't have that much time. Now, let's look at the individual, and let's see how much of this fits your experience, Okay, there's nothing wrong with this. It's just the nature of what we see and what I'm doing my best to change by creating convergent trading and, 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 and the vision there is as, as an individual who is completely independent trading online, you generally discover trading through a friend. Uh, you'd see it online. You see, a, you see one of those E-Trade commercials where, you know, you make money with your eyes closed or some other non-professional contact point in general. So your priority becomes to hurry up and open an account. you got to open that account as quickly as possible. You want to fund the account as quickly as possible. And at this phase, your only focus is how easy it, it is to make money, right? You're going to use their algorithm or whatever, and all that is is effective marketing. It's, it's a hoax. Uh, if you're actually trading, the profitability is is really the last thing that's that's going to show up it literally is the last thing that's going to show up so uh over time you discover that luck is not enough uh you burn through a lot of capital you experience a heavy emotional response you start to really f get feelings or learn things about yourself that you didn't know you uh, you experience a lot of pain and and your relationship with losses and money and and generally uh you take a beating in your self esteem and you develop fear coping mechanisms, right? So you develop these ways of handling the fear, the pain that you feel, and those things that you learn at this phase, this is stage one moving to stage two of competence, those things you have to unlearn, things like interfering with trades, things like um, watching the dome after you enter, even though the dome has nothing to do with your trading plan. Uh, those things you'll have to unlearn at some point. Uh, then you find out what seems like a plan that works from someone else. So you go out and you seek out uh, anybody that seems to have any authority on trading that has some speaks with confidence or whatever, and you buy their course or you, you talk with them or whatever, and you try to adopt their plan. Uh, and then, you know, because you're smart, you don't just invest money in someone else's plan. You're going to go and validate that plan. The problem is you haven't learned and you don't have the resources to properly validate that plan. So what happens is you have confirmation bias. You'll test as far back or as little as you need to to confirm that this plan works, right? So how many of you have done this? How many of you have had this experience where, you know, you hear a, you hear a, a, a podcast or a, you watch a webinar about 
order flow and all of a sudden you're, you, you've got the same tools, you've got the same charts, and then your focus is to see that it works. That's confirmation bias. Your goal is to validate to yourself that it works when actually your hypothesis is that it, it doesn't, should be that it doesn't work and to try to prove that it doesn't work. And if your hypothesis is false, then you can move forward with that plan. Our nature is to confirm our bias because we really want this to work out. So then you experience more losses, more heavy emotions. Now you've, you're deeper into, uh, into your account. You've lost more money. And you arrive at this point eventually, depending on how much money you have and the pressures you have, financial pressures or time pressures that you have, you contemplate that the problem is that you're not doing this full time. So you start looking at and talking to others about what it would take to do this full time. Uh, or if you can't do it full time, then you must quit because you can't do this part time, right? So you start to work towards doing this full time because that must be the problem. That's really why you're not making money. So you devise a new plan, follow follow some guru again or someone who claims to know how to, how to do this. And again, you experience frustration. Uh, and then you're starting to get pressure from family, your partner, a spouse, um, whatever. You start to get pressure to go out and get a job. At this point, you've burned through six, eight, ten months, a year, maybe a year and a half, or even two years. And your family's starting to go, okay, get a job. Uh, and so you start to work to overcome those pressures. And then you realize that the only way to do this is to own your own trading, that you have to come up with your own plan. There, People, there is no way around this. You have to ultimately come up with your own trading plan. Trust me. It's just the only way for you to hold through the pressure and the, and the, the, the ebb and flow of the market is to have your own plan and know it. And so, you start doing the homework. This is uh, high upper stage two. You start to do the homework. You start to understand the key elements. Uncertainty, understand probability. You understand your edge, what edge is and, and whether or not you have it. Understand your edge and how to properly test the edge. And then you start to build confidence. Then you start to execute your plan. And by the way, once you once you get to this point where you, you've come to terms with the uncertainty, you understand probability, you've got your edge figured out, you go to execute your plan, and guess what? You're still not making money. It's still frustrating. You learn that your emotions are interfering with the execution, even though you have an edge. You know you can do this. You know it works, but you just can't get it done. So this is another point where you have to ask yourself, how do I know if I'm on the right track or if I should quit trading? Okay, this is another test point. And the execution portion is psychological. That's where the big part, that's where the psychology comes in. And psychology and trading gets defeated through study, through practice, through metrics, 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 period. So discipline, then measuring. Then discipline, then measuring, setting goals, discipline, measuring, setting goals, discipline, measuring. That's it. That's what you do as a, somebody who's running a prop shop. That's what you're managing. Risk. You're making sure that everybody's executing on their plan. And then you're setting goals. Then you're watching risk. And it's a cycle that goes on and on and on. 
You look into stabilizing your thoughts and knowing yourself. So now here you're starting to work on yourself. You start to read about psychology. You start to look at uh, sports psychology. You may even see someone in that field, somebody who deals with injury psychology and things like that to help you understand your response. You, you come to terms with the idea that your emotions ca- cannot be ignored. Uh, they cannot be set aside. Um, cannot be set aside. Your emotions are, are, are something that you just have to accept uh, as a presence, as, a, as an energy within you that you don't have to respond to. You don't have to respond to your emotions. So over time, it becomes easier to just recognize that cue and the power of habit. If you've ever re- read that uh, Duhigg book, you start to recognize the cue and not act upon it so that you don't go through the routine and, and the reward phase of that. And so you stabilize your thoughts and your emotions, and then you return, you're executing on your plan, and you are honing in on the fact that you need to execute the plan as a process, and then you're going to repeat the cycle and again and again a dozen times where you execute your plan, then you try to stabilize your thoughts, then you execute your plan, then you try to stabilize your thoughts again, and then eventually you hopefully get to the point where you're practicing detachment, risk control, accountability, and you're track by tracking your results and keeping very close records. I mean, we do it for sports. We know for every player what every little thing is. We know their strengths. We know their weaknesses. We know how many goals they've scored, all that stuff. You should be keeping the same thing. If you're investing in a $12 million a year athlete, I bet you would be tracking every single thing they're doing, right? And so why aren't you tracking that for yourself? So eventually you see a rising expectancy at the point, unfortunately, in general, that happens at the point of minimum equity. At this point, because you have to pay for your education, you've made a lot of mistakes and you've traded a lot, you're grinding along at the lowest equity point. Maybe you started with $20,000, you have $2,000 left, and you're trading with $500 margins at this point, okay? And so it becomes a precarious thing. That seems really hopeless, doesn't it? Doesn't, am I painting a very dark picture for everybody here? Have we, have we lost everybody here? Just understand that this is normal. This is really normal. And you're, you're most likely, my expectation is you're identifying with the majority of the points that I'm outlining here. And it's okay. It's okay. The expected turn with mediocre to lower probability is five to seven years, depending on style and time frame, believe it or not. Okay? So, it's, that's just, I'm just letting you know so that you understand where you are. And this is based on my experience with access to, I would say, at least 12 to 1,400 traders over the last 10 years. Okay? Let's talk about, let's shift gears. That was a very depressing table, I'm sure, to everybody. Okay? You can go ahead and do your shot of whiskey right now or whatever to get over it. But let's move on. Dissonance in our way of learning. There's a the the problem at inception starts with our education. So our education, the way our educational system doesn't matter where you're from, is built around certainty. 
So we are taught from the time we are in preschool. In fact, before preschool, I mean, my daughter is in daycare currently. She's five months old and she, you know, she's already learning that if I pull on this, it makes a noise. If I pull on it again, it makes a noise. There's this, there's this certainty to things. So we we're comfortable with certainty. Uh, and so you're told, hey, provide a five-page essay covering the point, main, main points that I'm demanding as your professor, and you'll get a high mark every time. Okay, The result is certain. Our educational system is staged to completely avoid, obscure, and distract the role of uncertainty in real life. We learn to follow or be punished. Right? There, there are education systems in Finland and so forth that don't give homework, that allow for a whole lot of playtime. They just put them out, you know, in the back, uh, in the park. They're allowed to climb trees. They can fall. They can do all these things. There's much higher emphasis on that than in 2 plus 2 equals 4. They learn both, but they're much more in contact with um, life and uncertainty than than most Western educational systems. Doesn't mean they're better traders. It's just a more real, more reality-based learning approach. As a trader, your entire universe revolves around probabilities and uncertainty. Again, we're going to keep hammering on this uncertainty. This is the big issue. Uncertainty is a big problem for traders. Accept this or struggle. The uncertainty is always going to be there. We're trading off of probabilities, and that's all there is to it. We're just probability um, betters, okay? Learn to own your plan, okay? Learn to be independent in your approach. Learn to do things independently. It's very, very important to get to that as quickly as possible. Uh, in, in a prop shop, you get to that very quickly because you think somebody's going to teach you. And what you find out in a prop shop is they'll give you the tools, they'll teach you about the market, but then you're going to go and figure out your own plan. And you're going to pick up a little bit from this person, a little bit from that person. You're going to figure out what products are best for your personality and so on and so forth. But ultimately, you're going to make your own soup. You're going to mix your own ingredients. Don't jump on someone else's. You can jump on ideas, but don't jump on someone else's plan. It's a mistake. It delays your process. Whether you're on the right track or not is most heavily influenced by your attitude and mindset. I give a I gave a long talk about this uh, to Futures.io a, a while back. You can search YouTube for my name. I talk about mindset. Big, a big um, hurdle for traders is mindset. I, I'm, I constantly say, and I don't have you know, exact metrics on this, but I used to invest $25,000 in every trader. So I put up $25,000, and in general, most traders will burn through around 75 to 80% of that 25,000. Okay, so they'll burn through 20 grand before I see any return. I would say out of that 20 grand, at least three quarters of it, three quarters of it, 75 to 80% again, is spent on this problem. 
the mindset, the belief structure, the belief system. Changing that is really difficult. You're going to have to, if your results are not what you like, but you keep coming in with the same attitude and the same mindset, doing the same thing, then you're not going to make a change. The only way to make a change, in my opinion, is to change how you view things, and you have to have the mindset for it. If you believe that the market owes you for your effort and work, then your attitude must align with the fact that you're simply one example for, of many as a participant. To the market, you're a nobody. You're a nobody. I'm a nobody. We're all nobodies. We're just one drop in the bucket that makes up all participants and all volume in whatever product you're trading, equities or, fut or futures. Your success or failure is completely irrelevant to the market. This is harsh but true. So, the idea that, hey, I, made, I did the work, I need to get paid, forget it. It's, just, it's, it's not the attitude to come with. If you believe that you don't need to keep deep metrics on your trading performance, consider using tools like the S5 Trade Analyzer. The reason I plug it here and I talk about it is because I built it. And, and I want to track things like how often you get a scale out. So BSO percentage, I want to know what your efficiency is. How much did you have in terms of profit versus the gain? So how efficient are you as a trader? What is your expectancy? What is your win rate? What is your profit factor? All these things, how long do you hold on to winning trades in terms of time versus losing trades in terms of time? Uh, all these things tell me a lot about what going on in your mind and what's going on with your trading plan. You can use whatever tool to keep these metrics. And you, it, metrics alone are great, but not even enough. So metrics, and then in addition to that, you need a detailed trading diary. So your metrics say trade number one, number two, number three, and then you need a diary in the electronic or written. I prefer electronic. Use something like OneNote, Evernote, or Google Docs or something to keep track of, of that day, trade one, setup is, blah, 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 uh, state of mind is this, looked for this, executed at this point, this is what I saw, this is what I felt, this is what I responded to, this is what happened, this is what it felt like when I closed the trade, I'm ecstatic, I'm depressed, I took a break, took a five-minute break, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but ultimately you want to you want to take the metrics and then you want to expand on them. You want to expand on them in a diary, because the diary tracks where you were mentally. Unless you say that to somebody, unless you say what's going on in your mind, then there's no way to know it. And saying it includes yourself. A month from now, you're not going to remember what happened that caused you to exceed your stop tenfold on that one trade. Well, that's the trade you want to skip detailing in a diary. That's the trade you need the most because what you're trying to do is find a trigger. What is your cue for violating your plan and not executing? Do you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? This is a big topic for me. Do you believe that you can grow, adapt, and change? Then you have a growth mindset. If you believe that this is how you do things and the universe must adapt to you, then that is a fixed mindset. In other words, the saying, which always grinds me the wrong way, you can't teach an old dog new tricks is absolute crap. It's absolutely not true for human beings. We will learn. Human beings will learn till the day we die. 
Okay, so you're constantly changing. To say this is who I am, this is how I've always been is a lie because you are different given the environment, given your your um, uh, where you live, who you're with, who you're responding to, time of day, time of month, you're constantly changing. So have a growth mindset and have the belief that you can adapt to whatever um, whatever it is that, that's confronted by you, even if it's bad, uh, a breakup, a divorce, a, 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 a death in a family, God forbidding, you have to approach this with the mindset that this too shall pass. You have survived up to this point. You will continue to survive. And so you just need to keep ticking and ticking and ticking and understand that you will adapt. You will do what's necessary to adapt. In trading, this is a key skill. Grit is a key element that a lot of people don't have enough of, right? You want things to be easy. The microwave solution to everything. Click a few buttons. 30 seconds later, you've got a hot meal. That's not trading, okay? Time is the only thing you own, okay? Your money can be taken away from you. It can be lost. Your property can be lost. Your significant other, loved ones, kids, whatever, they can go away. They can stay. They can go away again. Everything ebbs and flows and comes and goes. Time is the only thing you own. Time is the only thing that cannot be taken away from you except, of course, through like murder or something or execution, but let's not go there. But time is the asset that you own from the day you were born, and you get to spend it however you want. And so, but it's finite, and it cannot come back. You cannot get it back. So consider the following serious reality. You must strive to get something from your day as a trader. You must win the day. What are you doing to win the day? Winning the day isn't measured in PL. I used to measure how I was doing in terms of PL when I was learning. You know, days where I make good money, I'm just can't can't get enough of that green number on my screen. But really it's the process. It is measured in progress towards perfect a perfectly executed edge. Again, we don't measure ourselves in terms of PL. I know we're here to make money, no question about it. Okay? But Money is the product, right? We don't we don't plant juice, orange juice. We plant an orange. We we nurture it to full growth. We feed it. We fertilize it. We water it. We give it sun so that we can get orange juice. We don't measure our progress while the seed. We don't put the seed in the ground and measure how much orange juice we already have. We don't. That's PNL. The end product, the orange juice, is the PNL. The process, the process is what you can control and what you should be measuring until you get to the point and beyond the PNL. Risk control gives you the time or samples needed to see that edge come to life, assuming you have an edge. So risk control is that thing that you have to have in order to give you time and give you enough trade samples, enough clicks for you to get to your edge. So no risk control, no edge. Doesn't matter. 
You'll, you won't see your edge. You won't have a chance. You know, toss a coin three times. Do you get a 50-50 probability on a fair coin? No, you don't. You can't. You can't. It's three tosses. Toss a coin 10,000 times, you start to get to 50-50. On the, the expected outcome starts to show up over a large data sample, and risk control is that thing that allows you to have that large data sample. Okay? Don't sit there and risk you know, 50% of your account because that 50% that you just risked could have gotten you a few hundred more trades and could have gotten you closer to your edge and closer to being a career professional trader, which is what we're all here for. How you use your time in preparation for and during trading must serve these points. So what do you do to win the day? What you do to win the day is winning the day serves you executing your process to to absolute perfection as much as you can. This is our life's work in this business, is executing to as, as close to perfection as possible. Okay? Ultimately, losing time is much more tragic than losing money. Money you can get back, material you, material you can reacquire. Time is the only thing you own that is yours and is finite. Again, all of this in light of answering the question, how do I know I'm on the right track as a trader? As you're trying to figure that out, time is passing. Can you do more with your time pursuing something else? Is there an opportunity cost here? My point, win the day every day by, before you consider quitting. What's the point of quitting if you know that you didn't really do everything you're supposed to do? Isn't that a shame? What does progress look like? Let's assume you have come to realize that all these tough things to realize all these tough things and, and are implementing them. So you're following the process as expected. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. What does progress look like? You have high confidence in the tools, perspective, and approach used to trade the markets, right? So you are very confident with your tools. I don't know why the indentation just disappeared here. Hang on. let's. I'm just kind of anal in this way, but. Oh, that's not good. All right. Um, high confidence in the tools, perspective, and approach used to trade the markets. You have many errors that still persist. Your your task is to identify errors. They still persist, okay? But you're focusing on eliminating each identified error in a methodical and deliberate way. Trading errors, big topic. Trading errors are a big thing that holds people back from executing their edge. Um, you see fewer and fewer errors committed on execution. So over time, you start to, to see fewer and fewer errors as you hammer away at not, you know, not taking FOMO trades, not closing positions too early, not taking trades outside of your trading plan, not allowing outside influences to color your bias, and you don't make technical mistakes like you want to buy and you sold, you want to sell and you bought, you want to put a stop and you ended up going to market, and you don't trade impulsively. As those errors get eliminated over time, your expectancy is rising. Your expectancy is rising. Expectancy, for those of you who don't know, is just a number. It's basically an average. Expectancy is the percent win times the value of a win in dollars, points, or ticks minus the percent loss 
times the value of the loss, the average loss. So in dollars, ticks, or points. I prefer to use ticks and never use dollars. Uh, your expectancy should be rising. doesn't matter where it is now. Your expectancy could be negative 10 in the S&P. So if I was a betting man and you have a big enough sample uh, and I'm an investor and you as a trader, I should expect to lose 10 ticks every time you click. Not very good. But as long as that expectancy is rising by eliminating these errors, then the question of whether or not you're on the right track gets answered, right? But it steadily rises with very few retracements. You, we expect retracements in expectancy. We expect losses. We expect losing days. You'll have losing days for the rest of your life. Okay? Um, you become confident that although you can't guarantee yourself that you'll make money today, you will follow your plan and you will just surf whatever waves the market pushes your way. This was a big realization for me. Okay, so I started to I started to know that today when I come in, I'm going to do the right thing. That I, I can't tell you how much pressure comes off when you get to that point. You just know that today I'll do something. As long as the market provides me with, a, with the opportunities that I seek according to my plan, I'll do something with them. No problem. And if my P&L is negative, I still did something. I still executed. By the way, focusing on process and execution versus P&L is hard. I'm not going to – it's like saying get over, get over your – ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend, they weren't worth it. Well, those are words that are easier said than done, you know. You still you still feel the pain. You still feel the heartbreak. So just understand that there's a process here that just takes time. But you get to the point as part of the progress that you should be looking for. You get to the point where you understand and are confident that when you come in today, you will do the right thing. No question about it. Okay, you start to trade trade all trades equally. Loss or win, I'm indifferent. I couldn't care less about the last trade being a loss. In fact, I couldn't care less about the fact that the last four trades were losses in a row. Don't care. Okay, and so because those trades are just a single sample, they're just a single sample in a large sample of trades, okay? So it's it's not, um, you're not going to determine whether whether you're a winner or a loser by one trade. It's, it's really just one drop in the bucket, another drop in the bucket, another drop in the bucket. So you can't tie your execution to the next trade based on the last trade because the next trade and the last trade have no relevance to each other. Believe it or not, statistically, there's no correlation between the next trade and the last trade. They're all, each one is discreetly, um, discreetly stands for itself. You recognize that the outcome is random and is not relevant to your immediate performance. We're looking at the performance across many, many, many samples. You sense an urge to increase your size. You're making progress when you start getting this kind of feeling that, man, maybe I should go and trade two lots now. I'm trading two lots, maybe I should trade three lots because you're seeing the returns. You don't pay attention to what others think think the market will do. It is you 
undistracted in the market until trading is complete. So you're just completely in your own process and universe. Okay? That's what progress looks like. What's the deal here? All right. Fight or quit. Whether you're on the right track or or not is something only you can know. So what are your goals? Are you attaining these goals? However, here are some pointers that hopefully can help you determine whether you should fight or quit. Hopefully you're all fighters, but sometimes it's smarter to quit. Can you afford to continue? That's a big consideration. Consider your responsibilities to others. Are you using money that you cannot risk losing? Okay. Should be trading with risk capital only. Are you enjoying your current process? Do you enjoy this? If it's a, if it's, if, if you have a hard time rolling out of bed because you have to trade, then you might be happier doing something else, regardless of the riches promised by trading, maybe, you know? Are you doing everything you can to win the day today? Remember this theme going back again and again and again. Are you doing what's required? All the pieces required. I urge you to listen to this webinar again. Are you doing what's required to follow your process so you can win the day? Did you eliminate another error? Did you defeat another error, another part of you that keeps sabotaging your results? Did you defeat that today? How about this week? How about this month? Okay. Do your metrics show a positive trend in expectancy? doesn't matter where your expectancy is, but is, is the trend in your direction? Is the expectancy rising or is it just getting worse and worse and worse and you're taking bigger and bigger and bigger swings at the market as your account gets smaller and smaller and smaller? You start to really swing for the fences. Probably time to quit. Are you in the right market or product for your personality and risk tolerance? Are you trading the right product? Have you looked around? Do you believe that you can learn? What is your attitude and mindset? So this is just a review of what we've talked about. Do you believe that it is possible to do this? You know, do you think that trading is maybe a joke? Maybe nobody makes money. Maybe it's just a bunch of salespeople trying to sell you stuff. If you have that attitude, it's going to be very hard to, to fight through. Is there an opportunity cost to continuing? It's another big piece of how do you know whether or not you're on the right track as a trader or if you should quit. Could you do better with your time focusing on something else? I mean, if you're missing out on a huge opportunity somewhere else and here you are grinding day in, day out, you're probably not going to get the expected results. There, did that twice. Do people actually make money at this? The simple answer is Yes, yes. So there are all kinds of statistics out there. Um, sure, many of you have heard. How many of you have heard the statistic, 90% of traders lose money, 80% of traders lose money, 90% of traders just pay 1% or something like that, okay? So that's a very common thing. In fact, TradeStation and some of its marketing has that as one of their um, – is one of their marketing pieces. And just like with all statistics, you ha always have to ask the question, what is that statistic describing? Okay? If the statistic is describing all people who have opened an account at TradeStation, Interactive Brokers, whatever, it doesn't matter where, and say 
deposited an amount and then closed their account with a lesser amount, if that qualifies as failure, then I'm going to ask you this question. How many people have attempted to perform surgery by getting a scalpel? How many have a chance to succeed? To me, that's the same statistic. It's just because you open an account, just because you're able to, the industry has made it very easy uh, and the low, the barrier to entry is so low that you can open an account, interact in the market, lose money, close your account and disappear does not mean that that's what it's going to be for you. What that means is it's going, that's what it's going to be for you if you don't look at this as a career, as a business, as a professional endeavor then you're going to fall into those metrics. But that's not been my experience. My experience has been the inverse metric. My experience has been that the overwhelming majority do well in the environments that I was in. Yes, there are people. I know people who are online, who are independent, who do make money uh, quite regularly trading. But if there's a statistic in the back of your mind that, hey, most people lose money at this, then it's going to be hard for you to overcome that. Again, attitude, mindset, all that stuff. So, yes, but it will take longer than you think, just being honest with you. It will cost you more than you think. Tools, losses, uh, it will probably cost you a lot more for you to adjust your behavior, to learn to take losses and adjust your behavior than you think. You think that, oh, I'm disciplined, you know, I used to be 350 pounds and now I'm 150 pounds. I lost 200 pounds. I can do this. Trading brings up things that re about ourselves that are really difficult to confront. And so people take huge losses attempting to change their behavior. Okay, so take longer. It'll cost more. It is not for everyone. You must have an attitude of grit. You must have grit. This is a competitive sport, uh, and you need to be able to take take a punch to the face and recoil, uh, create a better plan, better defense, and come back. Okay, so you have to have a lot of grit. That's one of the biggest qualities I test for in prop traders. Is this someone that who will quickly run away? Is this an escapist? Is this someone who makes excuses a lot for their failures? Or is this someone that says, my failure is something that I should have avoided, I didn't, but here's what I did about it. This, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for the person who's telling me why that test wasn't fair or the teacher wasn't fair. The probabilities you hear about, you hear about in trading don't represent the facts from my experience, as I talked about. You know, you, you, Trading is a business, and if people can open an account and pretend like they're doing this as a business and just bet, gamble uh, randomly, trade randomly, and then close their account, and that's considered a, a, a loss, um, then, you know, that metric doesn't have any value to me. It will not work out without a profound change in who you are, how humble you are, how accepting you are, and how forgiving you are of yourself. There is a core change. That has to happen for everyone who's learning to do this. So this is why my traders have to learn to meditate. Everybody had to learn to meditate. It puts you in direct contact with 
the reality of things and it puts you in direct contact with um it'll put you in direct contact with um the aware self-awareness you know the biggest benefit of meditation is not just the stress relief the focus that it brings and so on it's the awareness because you're sitting there in silence and you're not able to escape the conversation that's going on in your mind coincidentally today just as i was preparing for this a couple of guys from my from the chat room at convergent trading randomly i didn't ask for this i promise randomly decided to talk about their successes so in light of the do people actually make money at this uh these two gentlemen decided to just on their own i promise i didn't ask them to say how they're doing uh you can read it right there they decided to just talk about the fact that they feel like they're making the turn and they're seeing good results on their uh, process uh, so you can I can send that to you if you like or you can just pause this video at this point and read what's there I see this relatively often so it can be done that's my point and that's all I had for you for today okay so that took what almost an hour what do we have Terry in terms of questions did I lose anyone all right, guys, if you got questions, please feel free to start typing them. I'm going to weave through and see. Uh, can you summarize the difference between market profile and monkey bars? Why is market profile better? I don't know what a monkey bar is. Have you heard that term before, Terry? I have not. Uh, I know that I know market profile and volume profile. I started out as market profile and I moved to volume profile but a monkey bar is a new one for me it says monkey bars are a market profile type thing on thinkorswim oh I don't I can't comment on it since I've never seen it um, so I, I apologize that I don't it's kind of a weird weird concept I guess I'll have to take a look I'm not sure what the difference is because I don't know what a monkey bar is uh, let's see. What else? Is there a way to use the S5 trade analyzer with Ninja Trader using Ninja Brokerage? Uh, I don't know. I think you need to reach out to those guys and ask. Uh, I think we do have a version of the trade analyzer for Ninja. Unfortunately, Ninja shut off the ability for brokers to. Um, use their software to offer their software since they be, they converted from a technology company to a brokerage. Uh, but we do have a tool called the S5. The Stage 5 has a tool that's called the, the S5 Trade Analyzer for Ninja. Um, I don't know. I, I suggest you get a hold of uh, a broker there. I, can't, I cannot answer for them. I, I'm, you know, I don't know. Okay. Um, how many sample sizes do you need in order to determine uh, statistical edge? So, good question. Um, so, mathematically, a high-confidence sample set has to have approximately, I believe, 172 samples is the exact number, but call it 200. But for testing an edge, just a preliminary test. Let's say, 
let's say I decide that for every time the S&P moves six points in a single direction, and if it pulls back less than 50%, in other words, it stays above the 50% FIB, then I will get long at the 38% with a stop below the 50%, aiming for the last high I put in, blah, blah, blah. So I'm setting up a structure. That, in order for me to validate that idea, I'm going to look for 50 samples. If I can get 50 samples executing that and I see a positive edge, now I'm going to dig in. The the number of samples, you're trying to be efficient with your time. Time is everything, as I explained. Trying to be efficient with your time. And so it's really important to minimize your investment in something that has no edge. I would say 50 at the absolute minimum. Let's say you're trading a swing system and 50 trades means – you know, uh, half a year or something like that, then you're looking for about 30 samples on the small end. But that's not enough to really have a high confidence um, statistic. You can look up uh, the confidence interval on Wikipedia or whatever to understand what that's all about. But, um, you know, to, 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 to get a high confidence, you need to increase your sample set. Uh, but I would say 30 on the preliminary um, exploratory phase, let's call it, sounding kind of fancy. Uh, 50 is okay. Really, you want 200 samples or above, which for trades, that's very high. Uh, so I would invest time. If something shows promise at, in between 50 and 30 and 50 uh, samples, I would then start to dig in and invest some money into figuring out if it really means something. Okay. How do you suggest to go around scratching trades if they don't go the way you as you expected instead of sitting and waiting for your full stop to be hit and how does that affect your trading expectancy and outcome that wow excellent question um so here's here's what i say to people who are learning and who are struggling i say define a stop that one, fits your account size. In other words, you do not want to be betting 10% of your account on every trade, okay? If you are, then you need to switch products or increase your equity, you know, deposit more money uh, or something. Number two, you want to use a stop that is not in the noise range of the product you're trading. Let's say you're in crude. Crude has a 14-tick harmonic rotation. Harmonics meaning... Swing high to swing low, 14 ticks back and forth is its breathing ebb and flow. If I'm using a six-tick stop in crude, I'm going to get stopped out a lot. So that's another thing you need to contend with. So there's some, there's a puzzle there. That you need to play with the numbers and figure out uh, how to keep your stop outside of the harmonic rotation of the product. Talked about this extensively over the last 10 years publicly. Um, and marry that with your account size. And so if you meet those two requirements, then what you need to do if you're not consistent yet is use a strategy or a bracket and just let the market take you out. What people want to do, and understandably, is they want to save themselves some money. So they put on a trade. They're following a plan. It's just one trade out of hopefully hundreds of thousands you'll take in a career. Um, but what they do is they interfere with it, right?
right? So they've sized, they've done all the homework, they've sized their trade, they've got everything set up, and then and then they go and they put on a trade and it's going against them and it's halfway through their stop and then it comes back to the entry point and they just get out. And then the next thing you know, I would say seven out of ten times maybe, next thing that you know, it comes back down and then it rips and goes to their target. And then their next time they tell themselves they need to use a wider stop and they just throw their entire plan out and now they become all of a sudden they've become a scalper. So at first, if you find that you have discipline issues and you're not able to be objective, whether or not you interfere with, you know, when are you interfering and micromanaging a trade and when are you being an active trader who is objectively managing a trade? Most people are micromanaging and interfering with a trade, which is an error. It's an error because it should be registered as an error. Okay, because what they're doing is they're looking at a 60-minute chart or 15-minute chart, and they're assessing the internals, they're assessing the underlying sectors, they're assessing fundamentals, they're assessing all these things. They put the trade on based on one or two charts. They put the trade on, and the next thing you know, their eyes are glued to the dome. And they're long, and there's this offer, and it's huge, and this offer's coming in, and it's coming down, and it looks like it's going to smash their their trade down, and then they exit the trade. But if you didn't execute based on the, the dome, based on the order book, why are you looking at the order book? You should be looking at the chart that, that initiated the trade. And if you're looking at the chart that initiated the trade, that helps you be objective. And that chart, in that chart, you should already know before putting the trade on when your trade is starting to fail. Okay, but even then, you need to let your stop work out. Why? Why do you want your stop to work out? Because you want to avoid randomness. Your goal is to follow a process, collect metrics based on that process. If I am to tune a guitar by tightening a wire, then playing it, strumming it, then I go and I tighten the second wire, and I strum that, but then I loosen the first wire and tighten the third wire, strum that and loosen the second wire, and 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 just keep doing that, how do I know where it's off? How do I know where this guitar is off? It's out of tune. You've got you've to create anchor points. Your anchor points are, the minimum anchor points are your entry, because that's what you took, whatever price that is, and your stop. And if you start to change your entry by changing your execution every time, and then you're changing your stop every time by closing the trade too soon or actively managing the trade, and then you're trading in a discretionary way, which has randomness in it, whether you like it or not, because nothing ever is exactly the same ever in the market. Every second has its own fingerprint, right? So now it's random times random, times random. Good luck figuring out what's wrong in that environment. And not only that, but let's say random times random times random. So your entry is random, your stop is random, and your trade management is random. And let's say you make money. Now you're making good money, okay? And then all of a sudden, the market regime changes, and you're not making money. What do you adjust? What tells you what to adjust when everything was random? 
But if my stop is fixed based on an intelligent point, it's based on harmonics or something that I can test, right? If your stop is fixed and you notice that your full stop out percentage is increasing, at least now you know that your stop has become too tight because the vault, because the market regime has higher volatility like back in February and March and your stop is too tight and that's what needs to be adjusted. But if you're constantly interfering, then there's no hope. You're just relearning and relearning and you're extending the time you need to be able to become a consistent trader who can manage a big position. So that's my answer to that. I know it's a complex one, but it's you've, you've got to try it as a trader, you try to stabilize as many pieces as you can, just like learning to ride a bicycle. You don't want to deal with the balance issues, steering, pedaling a bicycle all at once. What you want to do is put training wheels so that you don't have to worry about balance, and all you have to worry about is braking, pedaling, and steering. And once you have those, then you can take the training wheels off and deal with balance. Same, same process here. Okay, let's see. Oh, that's well, a lot of questions. If you could pick one, yeah, I'm trying to weed through and pick out relevant ones and such. But if you could pick one CME product for a beginner to start in, which would it be? Hands down, unfortunately, you know, I, I think I need to talk to Big Mike and really start a public petition or campaign to get the CME to give us a micro ES product. Uh, it's just something that's not getting any attention. The products become too big. Most index products have become too big for the size of accounts that people have. So hands down, it's going to be the micro FX products on the CME if you're doing futures. Okay? So why? Because you can spend the next 15 years on SIM, but you will never address the main issue that you're going to confront. The main issue you're going to confront is going to be psychology, the emotions, the emotions and the urgency. The urgency that causes you to interfere with trades does not show up on a simulator, does not show up in a paper trade, does not show up in a statistical study, but it will, I guarantee you, if there's anything I can guarantee in trading, I'll guarantee you that it'll show up in live execution. There's a part of your brain that is so powerful and it's intended to protect you from yourself. And it has caused you and your ancestors to survive to this day. That piece is going to wreak havoc with your performance once you go live. So a simulator is only good for vetting out an edge. If you can write out your plan and test it in a simulator, penalize your exits so that you can get realistic exits in the market. Okay? As if you're, 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 you're it has to trade through your exit price, your limit orders. Um, if it shows you an edge, the, as quickly as, as I can, I would move to a micro FX product, M6E, M6B, M6J, whatever you like. Use the 6E chart, use the euro, full euro chart to do the homework, to monitor the market, execute the M6E. It has a dollar and a quarter tick. Get your broker to get you as good a price as you can find and go and execute on that. It, I've seen people who go in there and immediately, you know, trade a one lot, then they 
quickly trade a four lot than are doing swinging 15 lots in there. Now, sorry, but that is stupid. That is not how you're going to execute on the full-size contract. That's not how you should execute on the micro. It's not a simulator, but get off a simulator as soon as you can. So if you have an account that is, let's say, $5,000 or less, you really ought to be in the micro products. And I would love to have a micro ES that's $1.25 so that it can compete with the SPY. And if you can't do that, then I suggest you go and find an account where you can t- trade SPY and 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 go practice on that, you know, and then go to futures once you are confident and have gone through all the bullet points that I share in this uh, in this video and can really commit to moving moving to futures where leverage is high um, and you can lose more than your initial investment because of that leverage. Okay, so to answer that question, micro. FX gives you the opportunity to interact in a live market so you get some emotions, so you're seeing those emotions, um, but you're still, take, you're still taking a live risk and you're still getting live execution. Products like CFDs in Europe are great, but they don't exist here in the U.S., unfortunately, but CFDs would be the next choice. Okay, and I absolutely agree. I actually had started with MSXC and that was a how I got my feet wet live, so I, I absolutely concur with that. Uh, let's see, so many questions. Okay, how can we accelerate our learning process as, as a trader regardless of our level of competence? Uh, acceleration is a function of commitment to what you're doing, really. So it's it's like saying... It's like saying, I want to be the best basketball player out there. And historically, we know that you're going to need to play basketball pretty intently for many hours a day for maybe six years or something, plus have great physical fitness to make it to a become a professional basketball player. How can I accelerate this and make it three years? Well, the only way to accelerate that is to... Put yourself in an environment that is more competitive, more supportive at the same time. So prop, things like that. This is why I created Convergent to give that a plug, I guess. But I do believe in it, and that's why I talk about it. Um, but also to start working on things that push you forward. The biggest things that push you, the biggest thing that pushes you forward, in my opinion, is elimination of errors. People don't account for the cost of their errors. You have to track your errors. So write out your errors. There may be, there's maybe six of them. Write them out and then give them a code, you know, E1, E2, E3, and put it next to trades where you took a trade for FOMO, impulsive, uh, took a trade outside of your plan. You told yourself you're going to get long. You got short because you missed the long. You got long and you clicked the sell at market button, so there's a technical error. You got long because somebody else you respect and know makes money or believe makes money got long. That's an error. So those kinds of errors, code them. And what you'll find is net-net, every once in a while, those errors will pay, but the overwhelming majority of the time, those errors cost you money. Your goal is to eliminate 
errors. Okay, there's your goal is to eliminate as many of these errors as possible. Eliminating errors leaves you with the upside, but also increases your confidence. They increase your expectancy and it increases your confidence. The best way to reduce the cycle is to be very focused on figuring out your edge, creating a plan, as, as, as detailed as a plan as possible, executing that plan live with as many samples as possible at the lowest risk possible. It's a tough combination, right? This is why you need to be well-funded. Tracking that execution, looking for errors within that tracking, setting goals, defining the error, and deliberately creating a plan for, to eliminate the error, come back with, with a new plan, execute, track errors, deliberate like that. That's, that's the way to do it. That's really all there is to it, in fact. And once you get to the point where you're starting to get a positive skew or a positive um, tangent or a positive uh, slope to your expectancy, your very next stage is to accelerate your, your quantity. You want to trade from go from one to two, two to three, three to four, to multiply the return on that expectancy. Okay, and then cut back when your expectancy starts to peak and dip, especially dip. Cut back for a bit until it starts to pick up again, and so on and so forth. It's almost like a, a surgical process, but that's as quickly as you can get it done. The more samples you take in the market, the more, in other words, the more times you execute according to your plan, the more experience you have, the closer to your true edge you, you become, um, and the, the more you will learn over time. That's how you accelerate the process. How do you not how do you decelerate the process or stagnate the process? No plan or a random plan. You're constantly changing it. You're on simulator perpetually. Uh, you are not tracking your results uh, that measure your execution against the plan. You're not defining a goal for those results, so there's no way for you to win the day every day. And you just come in and you're distracted. You are looking here and there and you're playing Fortnite in the background or you're watching TV or watching movies while you trade, all of that stuff. You're just hurting yourself, okay? You've got to take this seriously. You've got to do this professionally. Otherwise, you're just a statistic to the market, okay? And nobody, nobody cares. Okay. Personally, what do you do in the midst of a trade to prevent you from exiting early or not following your plan in general? Okay, so let's look at, so, you know, here's, here's this is my platform that I execute on, and I, this is the last piece that I look at. I'm looking at a market, I'm assessing the market, based on, for those of you who watch the Trader Byte every morning, I'm assessing the market based on the narrative and the context of what's going on, the big picture, okay? And then once the market shows up in an area that I want to engage, these gray areas, I call them stock zones. They're freely available to con convergent members. These stock zones are areas I'm, I've identified where I expect the market to react, to have some sort of a reaction. Okay, so those are my engagement areas. Once we get to a stock zone, I look at my look at classic order flow, 
So I look at volume scope and I'm assessing what things look like. And I'm assessing, this is almost like missile launch, right? It's a very process oriented. I'm looking for, okay, here's what we've got. We've got a an impulsive move that is extended into a stock zone. I'm looking to get short that stock zone. Okay, what is the order flow showing? So I'm looking at the ladder, the volume scope. And then I look at my heat map and see what kind of size is there. How's the market responding to size? Are buyers, if I'm looking to sell, are buyers failing to gain by through their effort with volume? Volume is energy, right? Volume is energy. That's what it is. And so with volume, they're not getting anywhere. They're not getting any return for the amount of volume they're expending in an area of interest. Boom, I go short. I execute at the market, and then I'm not interested in this chart anymore. I'm not interested in this. I'm not managing. What I'm interested in is this. I'm interested in the chart that generated the trade. And so I rela- it helps me relax to know that, yes, I'm trading. Here's a, an impulsive move up six points. Here's the extension move into my stock zone. Let's say the market continued to trade, comes into the stock zone. It's showing that... It's lifting, but it's lifting weaker and weaker and weaker. I sell, and then I'm watching this chart. If if it doesn't, you know, linger and roll over for me to scale out and mitigate my risk, reduce my risk, and fund the trade, then I'm going to get out at whatever stop I set. Currently, I'm using about a three-point stop. That's it. The process is simple. The process really... I can write that process on in maybe five lines on, on the back of a post-it note. The execution of it consistently is hard unless it's your program, it's your plan, you understand it, you know its weaknesses, you know when you should pass, um, and, and that's it. You know, You have to come up with your kind of mix of what you need to see. Beyond that, beyond, you know, do I look at internals when I'm trading? Do I look at... Bobby Smith and what he's doing? Do I look at what CNBC is saying? I don't care. That's not part of my edge. It's not a part of it. I don't include it in my plan. And so I don't pay attention to it. I think I think I answered the question. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do you manage risk with size scaling in and out based on market action and expectancy? As much as I can, yes. So that's the advantage of trading size, and size is anything maybe four lots or greater, maybe. Uh, The advantage of trading with multiple contracts is the ability to manipulate, uh, to take advantage. You're not manipulating anything. It's a big market. Futures are too big to manipulate. But you're taking advantage of the ebb and flow of a product to cycle through and take profits, then add back, take profits and add back so that those small profits, maybe, you know, four to six ticks at a time, uh, can help re- uh, improve your overall, um, your overall position. So if you look at this, if you look on this, uh, on this, uh, uh software, you'll see that uh, there's this thing on here called the theoretical average. 
And that's what that's all about. This is something that I started doing back in 2003, 2004. The theoretical average is number that shows up once I take a position is very important. So let's say I sold here, okay, and then the market, I sold, let's say, four, okay, and the market moves moves down. Then I take two off, okay. So now I sold four at 31, take two off, let's say, let's for for simplicity, Let's make it 30, okay? Take two off at 30, so now I gain two ticks. 31.50 is my average. So this this yellow line goes up. My theoretical average improves. I sold 31, but now my theoretical average is 31.50 because I took off four points on two or half the position. I won. I get credit for two ticks on the remaining two. And then the market comes back up and it retests this high. And I sell, maybe take some heat, and it starts to go lower. And I take another four ticks off. This temporarily, when I add, temporarily drops again. And then it jumps up two more ticks. And as I do that, it drops, then goes up a few more ticks. And this is the price, the theoretical average, is the price that the market now has to go to with my remaining two lots, for me to have zero gain. that's That becomes my break-even point. Even though I might have started the trade at 31, my break-even point is now way up there at 33 and a half, let's say. So that's how you manage risk with size. You're basically manipulating the risk profile, and this, this is an advanced way to manage things. I don't recommend it to someone who trades with emotion or is fearful or doesn't have a clear plan or doesn't have this as part of their, this is not like averaging down. Uh, that's what trading, uh, you know, managing risk with size. Do I need to do this every time? I don't need to do it every time, but it helps. Okay. All right. I want to make this the uh, last question. I know this is something you've talked about a lot, but uh, here it goes. Could you describe how you finally change your mindset from focusing on results to focusing on process? Um, that that was a very slow process. Now, uh, I don't know, some of you may have heard the story before, but I was down to about $8,000 to my name, 8600 or something, I don't remember, before I made the turn. I just had my daughter. She was a newborn. She was, you know, and a lot of pressure. And I started to come to terms with the fact that I may not make it, that this isn't going to work for me. And so that experience drives what I'm doing now. Um, it drives what I built through Convergent and Stage 5 trading and all these things is to help people understand that they need to get to that point as quickly as possible, a point of recognizing that you're either going to make the changes necessary or you're going to move on. And it's just what drove me to it. What drove me to it is the fact that the PNL was causing erratic behavior. So I removed the, you know, I learned on XTrader Pro, I removed the P&L window. I removed anything that refers to P&L, and I just focus strictly on price. 
What is the market doing? What is the story it's trying to tell? Who's in control at the moment? Who am I trading with? Who am I trading against? Okay. If I can focus on that, and meditation helps with that, if I can focus on that, then all I have to do is align myself with the winner. Uh, the example I always give is I'm not big enough to start a bar brawl okay, um, by myself. What I do is I stand on the side, and then I find out which side is winning the fight. And then I go and join that side. That's my purpose because it's easier. Why am I picking a fight with the biggest biggest person in the room, the guy who's punching the lights out of everybody? That's what you do on a day like today when you sell. You're selling against the strongest participants. They rallied the market today in the ES from 27.95 to 28.28. Why are you selling? Why are you selling? In fact, 28.29 or something like that. Um, why are you selling? Why are you picking a fight? with the wrong, biggest participant, the strongest participant. So if you're sitting there measuring your P&L, what you're going to do is you're going to see that, oh, you lost four ticks. Okay, I can't get on the long, but here it looks like it's stalling. Let me sell it again. Lost another four ticks or six ticks or eight ticks. I'm down 150 bucks plus cost. Let me sell again. Let me sell again. That's that's Do that. Go ahead and do that a few times. You'll suffer enough to understand that that's just a – it's just a stupid way to trade. It's not a sustainable business model. And so you start to realize that my job is to find out which side is winning and to align myself with that side. So that depends on your time frame that you're in. Um, you know, are you trading a minute chart or whatever? Find out what that trend is, and I look for pullbacks into that trend. Or I, as best as I can, I try to detect the trend weakening, and I look to trade the exhaustion in the opposite direction. But I have to see that it's already doing that. So my PNL is irrelevant. The fact that I'm down is completely irrelevant to whether or not I take this next trade. What's relevant is, will I get paid? Is there a probability here that I should be betting on? If not, then I'm just stupid betting against it, you know? I, I can't bet against something that is likely to lose. You know, you have a you have a dice that have that that have the same number of dots on all five sides and I'm betting on the one side and I keep somebody keeps throwing the dice because I don't control them and I keep betting on one sixth of the probability. Why? Because I've lost money and I want to get it back. I want to catch the big win if I get that one side to pay out. That's that's not my that's not sustainable. That's not my trading plan. My trading plan is to bet small on the five out of six sides that are probably going to turn up. And I'm okay losing when the one sixth probability plays out. I'm okay with that. In the long run, I want to keep betting on the five sixths on that die that, you know, that pays out. Same thing. So the outcome, how much money I'm betting or have in my pocket or have paid out is completely irrelevant. You just, it's something you just have to come to know and believe. And and the numbers prove it. You know, the numbers prove that 
you can sit here and bet on the lowest probability outcome and bet small, but that's what a slot machine does in a casino. Have you ever walked into a casino? Do you think they'll have that many slot machines if the probabilities are on your side? And and they have nickel machines. You put five cents in there. What's five cents worth? Five cents in there or quarter machines. You know, and people sit there all day long with a bag of coins, putting, feeding the machine, feeding the machine, feeding the machine. Those people are looking for the outcome. They're betting on that $100,000 payout. But the casino knows that you have 1.2%, 1.2% edge. They have a 98.8% edge. So feed the machine. Feed it all day. We won't give you a clock. We won't give you daylight. We'll give you as many slot machines with as many themes as possible, and we'll have you bet. Be the casino. Bet small on the side that has a higher probability and do it again and again and again and again and again and again thousands of times. That's how you realize your edge, period. Doing anything else is just you're now the gambler that walks into the $10 billion casino and you think you can take on the institution. You can't. You may may get lucky, but in the long run, the more times you show up at that casino, the higher the probability that you're going to walk out with less money, maybe with a lot of liquor because they gave it to you for free, maybe with a meal with some roast beef that they gave you from their buffet that they comped you on, but you also left $10,000 behind in that casino. Be the casino. Don't be the gambler. Okay? That's, they're just numbers. I hope that makes sense. I like that. That sounds great. Do you have a, a slide on your presentation that we can leave at the end, end of the webinar for contact information? Uh, you can get a hold of me at uh, just uh, – you can leave a message at tro- uh, convergenttrading.com. Uh, add Convergent Trading on Twitter. Uh, most of you know I'm also – I also have a futurestrader71.com. You can go to the contact page there or find me and follow on Twitter. I invite you all to, to listen to the Trader Bite every morning. The invitation for that is on YouTube. It's free. I've been doing them for four or five years every morning at 9 o'clock Eastern to to help you check your homework or help you gain context if you don't have it. Uh, so every morning, just find my channel uh, on YouTube, youtube.com, I think, forward slash user, forward slash futurestrader71 or something, and subscribe there. Hit the subscribe button. It's all free, and at least you'll get an alert when – um, when I send out the invitations. Uh, if you have questions, there are many, many ways to get in touch with me, the easiest of which is just on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash futurestrader71. Okay? All right, FT, thank you for the, uh, web- the webinar information and for spending some time with us this evening. Thanks for having me, Terry, and thanks for the effort you're making for, for these traders. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you.